Hello and welcome to this My Ocean Life podcast. I'm your host, Nicola Gribbin, CEO and co-founder of My Ocean Life. If you'd like to join My Ocean Life, simply go to myoceanlife.com. Today, I'm delighted to be interviewing the crew from the National Geographic vessel Endurance. Hello, welcome. <laughs> nice to meet you all. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Nice to see you. Hello, everybody. My name is Oliver. I'm the captain of the um, expedition passenger ship National Geographic Endurance. We are presently repositioning our ship from Argentina after the end of the Antarctic season towards Northern Europe. And this is a fairly new ship, just two years old. I am her captain since last year, but I'm a captain of an expedition cruise ship since 1995. I'm German and I started my career actually working on ship 40 years ago. That's the short form about me and now maybe Patrick. So my name is uh, Patrick and uh, I am the hotel director on board uh, the National Geographic Endurance and uh, I work from the very beginning when we uh, were sort of uh, finishing off the building when all the cabins were being uh, assembled, dining room and everything came become uh, ready and uh, we were then to start our operation on this ship. I've been at sea now since the very end of 1988, so quite a few years. Wow. Uh, I was actually only going to come for one contract in my youth but then uh, never looked back and uh, have been at sea since 88 and when i first started i started in within the restaurant on the uh, on the seafaring uh, ship expedition ship and uh, later became head chef for a number of years before being offered the position of uh, hotel manager on board one of our expedition ships which i've been doing ever since so i'm part of the inventory within the brilliant and vivek yeah Yes, I'm, uh, my name is Vivek and I come from India, uh, but I presently live, live in Iceland. I joined uh, National Geographic Endurance as first officer uh, when the ship was in uh, Tridock in Denmark last year. And uh, then uh, I've been working on the ship since, uh, since then. But I've been working in the expedition industry since 2017. And then uh, I have worked on new builds before. This is me uh, being here having an uh, amazing adventures uh, on board this uh, beautiful ship. Fantastic. And can you tell us a little bit more about the ship itself? You want to go? Me? Yeah? Yes, please, Oliver. Okay. Obviously, it is a passenger ship, but actually, a terminology has been created for these kind of ships. Uh, they are officially called um, expedition passenger ships. Obviously, size matters. In order to um, visit small spots, you need obviously a small ship with a shallow draft and often there is no facilities to dock a ship. So consequently, to do um, landing operations without actually having to rely on harbors or even on docks, you need obviously small boats, small craft to get uh, our guests our passengers ashore. Traditionally, this is rubber boats, so we use a French brand called Zodiac. And so um, it needs a small ship with special arrangements to load her staff, crew and passengers into small boats, being able to anchor close to shore in order to find enough protection and we take off and explore. And exploring obviously means also into the wilderness with specialists on board. So you don't find uh, gambling or dancing here on board necessarily. You rather find actually education here on board. That's your goal. And then you go out. So a small tough ship because some of the most fascinating destinations 
you have to cross fairly wild oceans in order to get there. Frequently or pretty often those destinations are ice cold because our polar regions of the world have a very specific fascination for people. So this is what you do with an expedition ship. You are very independent. You are, have to be a very skilled navigator. Also the hotel department, Patrick on my side, has to be extremely flexible as well because it's very adaptable due to changes and schedules. And also being able maybe frequently just to serve a sandwich uh, meal if it is just simply too rough to cook. Oh, wow. Which uh, happened as well. So it's, uh, but as uh, Captain said, it's uh, the expedition uh, portion of things is uh, generated towards the entertainment of the expedition itself, the destination we travel to, but also the lectures and the uh, environment around us which we put uh, great emphasis uh, on. After we've been somewhere we hope that we can then send home uh, a large number of ambassadors for the areas where we go to and they not only take care of uh, foreign land but uh, also take care of the environment at home as well. Oliver, you mentioned you've sailed on other vessels. How challenging it is sailing in, in the sub-zero temperatures that you have to sail in now compared to your previous vessel? I mean, indeed, expedition ships are quite special. And uh, the, um, there is a lot of focus on safe navigation, actually. So um, it's very old-fashioned, I would say. It's uh, the traditional skills, actually, that bring you kind of boat handling and enable you to become a, a navigator that uh, doesn't need a pilot, needs a good ship, needs a good team, needs a very maneuverable ship. Uh, you need to be able, of course, to read charts, but frequently also we have to be able to make our own charts. We do a fair amount of scouting ourselves, a safe way actually to navigate ships in those um, in those waters so it's instinct as well sometimes you feel like an old explorer in old days before we had gps or something like this and we had all the necessary information available around us mouse fed so that's not necessarily the case what we do it is still a lot of exploring and you have to have a sense for that. That sounds amazing. Vivek, you're the navigator, so I guess a lot of this goes to you to help. Yes, uh, as uh, Captain Oliver mentioned, uh, that uh, we, at, we go to some places where we don't have charts, uh, we don't have proper information to take the ship safely. So uh, the equipments used by Norwegian uh, fishing vessels, so every ship that goes before, they do their own sounding. And then it's a crowdsourcing software that uh, whatever information that they gather from their voyages, they put it all together in a common platform where every vessel can download that data. And then we use such data to go to, uh, to, go to remote places. Also, in case we don't have any such data, we have a Zodiac or rubber boat with the sonar equipment that, uh, that measure, calculates the depth so we send that Zodiac ahead of the ship and that Zodiac constantly records the depth. And uh, as we are in touch with that Zodiac behind, we can safely go to the areas by following that Zodiac. This is kind of very different and also challenging as compared to other ships. Uh, and then uh, of course, instinct of the captain and the navigation uh, crew on board to determine whether that area is really safe to go even with all this equipment because uh, as you know the the weather can change at any moment and uh, that's where the skill kicks in 
Patrick, you have to look after all the passengers. How do you cope with their demands? And what challenges have you had to face? Uh, obviously, uh, Captain and Vivek uh, navigates the ocean and uh, myself and, and all the people that I work with, we have to navigate the uh, services and the comfort of the guests on board the ship. Uh, it's uh, a very high standard on everything on board. And um, so they live in uh, great comfort on board and then they get the uh, true wilderness and wildlife experience once they are on the destination. Having uh, travel or traveling in remote uh, areas obviously has its uh, challenges in terms of uh, getting the provision in uh, far and remote places. Um, there are times when uh, third, certain things do not uh, arrive or isn't even available. But uh, luckily you have, uh, we have a very skilled uh, culinary team that then uh, are exceedingly flexible, very imaginative and also very educated in the professions which they are in, the, uh, the cooks and, the, and all the bakers and the pastry chefs and, and so forth. So regularly they have to be uh, very creative and have a great set of imagination to come up with culinary highlight uh, to serve to our guests if we then have maybe provision shortages and, and so on. So, it's, so it can be a great challenge at time. We also have times when we do longer voyages and some of the voyages might be 30 days long. And um, we then have to provision our uh, or fill our storerooms to capacity for fresh produce. And this then have to last us for 30 days. So uh, we have to be very careful on how we store vegetables, how we tend them. We have to treat them like little babies in, the, in these fridges and uh, make sure that they fare very well. Uh, I don't know if you have children yourself, but you know when you have uh, fresh vegetables at home in the fridge, they tend to go off very quickly. Here, we don't have the kids that go in and out of the fridge 10 times in the morning and an equal amount of time in the afternoon, which obviously <laughs> kills off anything uh, very quickly. Here we would uh, tend to go into the fridge once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and for the rest of the time, leave it there at consistent temperature so it lasts longer. But days, that's not to say that the chefs have to be very creative with cabbage products and, and uh, carrots and uh, other sort of uh, hardy vegetables and so on, but uh, you'd be surprised and impressed to see what they can actually achieve and, and uh, do with the things that they have at hand. Can't ever feed them enough. Um, so I guess to all three of you, um, we've obviously had a difficult couple of years with the pandemic and COVID. I'm wondering how, how has that affected each of you and the vessel and, um, and life at sea for you? I think I can answer that one first. Obviously, we, were, we had a newly built ship we were just about to sail. We had just taken on board the provisions. And um, just uh, a week after that, the, uh, they pulled the plug and uh, we had to cancel the first voyages. This then extended into length of time. And uh, after a few months, it was then decided that the crew were to, uh, we had a full capacity of crew. They were then to leave and go home and as it turned, we had minimum manning on board, and as it then turned out was that uh, for the most part, the crew then had to stay home for 
an entire year before wow. we then started to do our expeditions again. And uh, and we've, we've talked a lot about that year that when people were home and, uh, and uh, to mention a little bit about our uh, very large Filipino community that we have on board, they obviously noticed the financial challenges of uh, being at home. But something we spoke about here is, is that time can't be measured in money. They, they were now home for a whole year with their children. And for the children, that year will probably be the most valuable year in their life. Having their parents home, it's uh, so nothing bad that doesn't have something good with it. So for, for the children, I think it was a very rewarding year to have the parents there because children measure quite often uh, happiness in the time they can spend with their parents and then just be with their parents and uh, this could then happen. But uh, certainly it had uh, many other challenges such as financial challenges and uh, the stress of the uncertainty what the future was uh, to hold for, for anyone. And similar things for us uh, Europeans, Americans or Indians or any other nationality that we have on board. Similar sort of uh, levels of, of uncertainty, but uh, it's all come around. We've just finished our Antarctic season, which we operated in and out of Ushuaia and Southern Argentina. And uh, we managed to do it without any cancellations and any cases that uh, inflicted any uh, quarantine or so on on us. So as the only company, we were very successful for Antarctic season. Fantastic. And it's great to see that silver lining in the time that the seafarers had to spend at home. Yes. I mean, we are still challenged because uh, for most places we still go to, um, company does not allow us to um, uh, actually enjoy shore leave. So most of us for the last two years now, or even more than that, have been confined on board actually, just working, having our off time, uh, looking ashore, but not being able actually to go ashore, other when we were on leave at home. So um, life at sea is not back to normal yet. Hygienic concepts, wearing masks, and uh, going into quarantine before we join the ship. Our nose is being regularly poked, is one of those things. So for us, definitely, the pandemic is not over. Life at sea is not back to normal. And of course, our companies are still struggling to fill our ships to the necessary capacity. So we still keep our fingers crossed that we will keep our job, the company will survive because we are not back to normal yet. Have you got any signs that um, you might be given shore leave in, at some point in the future? Or is it still quite uncertain? Yeah, it is because I mean, it is natural. Also, we know it's one of the fundamental rights of the uh, of a seaman as well to be granted shore leave. And uh, I mean, fair enough, our companies have to find a way to grant us shore leave. Yes, there's always a little bit of a risk, but anyway, we are all vaccinated. We are all boosted uh, 
we have procedures to maintain still social distancing as good as it gets up in there. So um, we have together with our company also to create safe procedures that everybody will benefit off because uh, it gets a little bit itchy now. It's been very long actually, have not been able to go ashore and working on board ships. Okay, hopefully um, things will start to get better in the, in the coming months. Hopefully it won't be years, it will just be months when things will start to return to normal for you all. And for us and I, when we, when, you know, when we are to get, get a whole crew, and uh, Vivek is a reasonable uh, uh, new contribution to our family on board, uh, but we have a large portion of our crew. We have uh, worked together for 10, 15 uh, years together, even longer. So it's a very close-knit society on board so when we uh, when we get somebody new to join the ship we often see that they end up staying for a good 10 years even longer so we don't have necessarily the turnover of uh, people that we see in, in many other places and uh, it then because of that it becomes very close-knit uh, on board, people have a tendency to uh, to stay with us for uh, for the long term. And makes it very intimate. So when you're home to come back to the ship, you then leave an extended you arriving to an extended family away from home, which is uh, quite a nice um, uh, feeling when you return to the ship. And what advice would you give to people that are working in the hospitality industry um, on the shore that, that like the idea of working with yourselves on board a ship like yours? How would they get into, you know, starting such a career? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's just to dare to take the step. I mean, that, that's the first thing, to, to, uh, to do the first step and maybe not be discouraged if it doesn't work out the first time. And there is always more, there's many ships um, out there, whether it is within the passenger industry, expedition industry, or the uh, cargo industry. But there's certainly a lot of seafaring jobs available. And uh, if it doesn't work, one uh, employer that's always more, and when you have been somewhere for the first time, always build up your contact network, whether it is uh, on social media or just through uh, knowing the right persons. Uh, one thing with us is that I would say that the largest portion of people starting with us are referrals from, uh, from someone. It's about who you know, really, to get the right networks in place. It, it is. And because if you recommend somebody, you're very careful to recommend somebody because if it doesn't work out, it falls back on your bad or poor judgment. Uh, but it's, I would say that out of all the recommendations that we have, I, it's either of us have any hesitation of, of uh, getting these recommendations because it has worked well in the past and uh, continue to do so. So it's... Uh, it's, it's something that's worked long time. Since I started 88, I was once referred by someone and uh, referred many in my time, but I've also employed a lot of people that has been re referred by others. So it's uh, just build a contact network if you are working, but also try, write the companies and send in your CV. And, uh, and if it doesn't work, 
the first time, send it in again, and uh, all of a sudden it, it happens. Um, and I was going to ask each of you, so what life's like at sea on your vessel, and um, I guess what's, what's an average day for each of you? Um, if there is such thing as an average day, or is every day completely different? <laughs> I would think actually um, our day has kind of a structure, of course, and that structure is around the operation of the vessel. Um, there is, of course, uh, days that are a little bit more irregular since also we are depending on the conditions. Um, if we want to do expedition, we need to do boating. Yeah, that is clear. Want to land people. If we want to do boating, ice and weather has have to work. So, and then um, despite actually studying weather and ice charts, uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. And then actually a plan A becomes a plan B sometimes even a plan C or a plan D. So um, planning is nice, but being able actually to adapt and find something new right away that is safe and working actually is definitely a challenge. And that's possibly something what we like actually working here. It is not a Caribbean cruise on a big passenger ship that have a day itinerary and they know the menu from A to B they serve. The activities are every week exactly the same. Everything is predictable. Everything is planned and followed. And when it doesn't work out, then it ends up kind in a catastrophe because everybody is used to that. And we are completely working different here. Um, we love structures, but in particular, we need to communicate with each other. That is very important. Because if something changes, um, then we all have to adapt, all of us. And uh, I think that is a talent that everybody has here on these small ships. We are extremely social. Yes, we have safe procedures, but at the same time also, we are extremely flexible also to make an evaluation of a procedure that exists and uh, adapt something else quickly and by each other. So I think that is something beautiful when you work on a small ship in such an environment. And, and same thing for the hotel side of things. I mean, meal times change regularly because an opportunity has come up and we have to delay whatever meal with half an hour, an hour, or we have to serve it earlier because they're going to do something after. So it's, it's uh, for the galley in particular, there is uh, an immense uh, flexibility needed in when you, if you serve uh, later or earlier or keep it open longer and, and so on to uh, accommodate. It can be at times maybe we are just about to serve the main courses and all of a sudden we have polar bears coming up to the ship and all the waiters are standing there with a the hands full of main courses and all of a sudden the dining room is empty. So um, you have uh, those at, at times and uh, um, predict a little bit and, uh, and then go from there. But uh, certainly it's, and that's what makes it so great when you have a team that's worked together for such a long time. It doesn't create irritation. It just becomes the norm of life um, because everybody's used to it. And for the most part, you see the crew out there with their cameras as well, because they also want to see the polar bear heading to the ship and, and so on. And uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I'd love to know from each of you what's your most memorable moment on board? I think possibly when I saw my wife the first time because I met her on board ship, worked for eight years together and I found my soulmate here. So maybe that was my most memorable moment. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> no, it, it's, I would say it's, it's very difficult to pinpoint. It's, you know, spending so much time as I do with, with our guests, I forever get the question, which is your favorite uh, journey that you do or the expedition you do? And it, it's impossible to say because every place on the world has something unique to offer. It's, it's how you deliver it and how you present it. And if you go somewhere, like Vivek mentioned, every day is different, even if we go to the same place. But if I were to pick my absolute favorite destination in the world, I think that would be sub-Georgia. I think it's uh, no real place that supersedes uh, sub-Georgia. It's just uh, the volume of things. It's uh, imagine sitting in your kitchen, you can hear music on the outside and then all of a sudden you open the window and it streams in, that's up Georgia. Amazing. And Vivek, if you've yeah, got a favorite well. moment. Yeah, I mean, I can totally understand when, when Patrick and Oliver say they cannot pinpoint because they have so, they've seen so many things in, in, in so many times. So it's, it's uh, really nothing new for them. Uh, but for me, actually, uh, uh, the, the, there have been moments where I, I would say that there have been absolutely beautiful moments. One, once in uh, in Antarctic Peninsula when we were sailing, and and then uh, it was uh, it was my night uh, evening watch, and I saw uh, some uh, uh, movement in the water just where the ship was passing. And the moment uh, my my ship my bridge wing passed uh, from that uh, uh, disturbance on the water a huge uh, humpback whale breached so it came all up uh, completely the whole body outside and then breached and that was like uh, that was really beautiful and uh, and the other time uh, uh, that, that happened uh, when uh, when i saw polar bears for the first time and that was in uh, east uh, greenland and uh, we, we we just uh, got up in the mo um, in the morning and uh, I came to the watch and there was a lot of uh, uh, noise on the deck. All the passengers were like uh, outside of the deck and, and I, I was just curious. So instead of uh, taking over the watch right away, I went <clears throat> to the bow and I saw two polar bears, uh, a mother and a cub looking up to the passengers. So that was that was like a very, very mesmerizing moment for me to, to see that. such beautiful creatures up so close. Fabulous. Well, amazing. You, you asked a little bit earlier about, you know, if, if uh, young people uh, should, uh, if they want to find their work and, and, and so forth. And as I said, it, there is opportunities. Uh, one thing to bear in mind as well, which is important to know, is that when you are on board, you do work seven hours a week. It's uh, sometime between eight and sometimes uh, 10 and 11 hours that you do work a day. But if you really enjoy what you're doing and you also see and experience things along the way, it doesn't necessarily feel like work uh, continuously. And also if you have great people around you 
it also make the days go much smoother and uh, much enjoyable. We are all thirst with a very uh, amazing group of uh, guests, typically that we, we are passengers that are genuinely super people and that also contribute to making the days so enjoyable when we work here. You, you won't find anybody on board any of our ships that don't actually enjoy uh, their jobs. And I guess along a similar line, um, if each of you were to look back at your younger selves when you were first starting out in your careers, what advice would you give to yourself back then, um, now, you, now you've been at sea for, for many years and you're as experienced as you are? So, um, so our new seafarers can hear your, your, your pearls of wisdom. Well, I would think actually working in particular um, on a ship can guess the passenger ship. Um, you have to be social. Uh, that's as a matter of fact. You must like that part because you have to have that understanding what, what you do enjoy and actually um, the fact that you have a possibly a well-paid job as well, it is all generated by the money that our guests are paying actually to be here. So consequently, actually, you have to have a very nice attitude towards them which is in particular not difficult traditionally when you are a social person yourself. If you find a, jo a, a job on a small ship like this, you have a very close contact with the guests anyway. We have, for example, an open bridge policy. So we are not working behind closed doors or something like this. We encounter our guests at all times. And uh, talking, about social things, your relationship with your co-workers here on board together with the other crew. I mean, you are basically spending half, if not two thirds of the year together with your co-workers. You work with them, you live with them together. So actually the ship becomes part of your life and you have to accept that. There is no way you can't like your co-workers, you can't like your job, because you can go home, you have your family and you have your nice weekend off. And you say, but my job sucks right now. And that cannot work. So you have to get engaged on board the ship and make it part of your life. Potentially for some of us, we can possibly say also, we are living two lives because we are completely dedicated to our families at home. We love to be with them, but at the same time also, we love our job on board ship, which is a totally different life. And then you turn around, you leave home, you leave it in the hand of a capable manager, which is often your partner. And then actually for the next month, you are living a different life. On board the ship, where work and life actually merges. So um, you have to picture it like that. You can't make a distinction. You have to be curious always. You should be curious at all times. And what possibly had, has changed since also we are now well connected through social media and something, we have, um, we have now much more contact with home. It used to be much more difficult. So we used to be much more creative on board our ships in order to spend our off time and with each other and now technically of course we have the possibilities to go away to log on and see our beloved at home is of course a great opportunity 
but one should not try to focus too much on that. There is a life on board should enjoy together and one should be able to do that. I agree with uh, Oliver uh, fully. Um, one thing I would like to, to add to what he just said is that if you are in a relationship home, you really want to last, then it is very important that at some point you bring your partner on board. Uh, it uh, will happen again when uh, COVID uh, sort of disappears now. It's been very difficult for the last uh, two years here. But uh, traditionally, pre-COVID, when we were working, we always um, told people who are new employees to bring your partner as fast as possible so the ship life doesn't become the unknown threat in the relationship that uh, when you've had your partners on board, they know the people you work with, of course, they're not going to change anytime soon. It's going to be the same people. And uh, so they can see that it's nothing that's going to threaten your relationship at home. But also it makes it easier for you when you come home, because then when you speak about the people that you work with, they can relate and put a face to the name, because they might have spoken to the person as well. So it is very important for relationships to last that you can bring your partner on board. Do most companies allow that outside of the, the COVID environment? Most companies will allow you to bring your partner on board? Because I think you're right, it's absolutely great for them to picture where you're working and your colleagues. Yeah, and also so you can share the destination. So you can share, like uh, Vivek was talking about the polar bears and the waves. And we have Georgia with its hundreds of thousands of penguins and the whales and the albatrosses and, and everything else or anywhere else where you go to the Amazons or anywhere you might go. But uh, then you can share your life in a much greater and a meaningful uh, way. And uh, I think that's important as well, because otherwise it's very difficult to relate if you haven't done something or been part of something. And uh, then, as I said, it easily become a threat to a relationship. So, uh, I think that uh, many companies did not allow it. Uh, Limblad has always encouraged it uh, to, in order to extend the terms of employment well, to have the consistency and uh, to also for the guests, because we do tend to have uh, quite a, a good uh, repeat clientele because they're interested in what we do and how we do things. So. Quite often, you you know the people that are coming back as our, our passengers, and uh, that makes even take even the intimacy a little bit further as well because you know them from previous voyages and, and so on. We are very important. And Vivek, um, advice to your younger self? Yes, uh, as it mentioned, it is a very exciting uh, job. But then the challenges uh, come, and when your partner doesn't know the working of the ship when your partner doesn't know anything about it, it's very difficult to, to have that understanding with your partner about what's going on, about your job. They could trust issues. There could be issues when, when you have a family later in life and then you don't want to go back to the ship. So this is uh, what the young people should always uh, have in mind because when they start this career, they, they study the navigation part, they start going to the maritime school and in the end that's the only work they can do they, they, in a hotel department 
uh, you could you could go back and work on and the the navigation the maritime uh, field that we, we work on uh, if i go back it will be very difficult for me to uh, find another job in in in, in my uh, uh, profession so it, when i was young i i i i enjoyed the work very much which i still do but now after having a, a family after having little babies it's it's really sometimes difficult to to take that flight and and to board the ship even though you know there are a lot of adventures waiting there it is it is something the young people have to uh think about uh before joining this career that uh, even though it is a beautiful career the challenges comes with it well thank you so much all of you for uh, taking this time out to uh, talk to us today um is there any final words um you'd like to share with us yeah you possibly show these uh, this little show what we did to people that are interested to come and sail with us because i mean we are building more ships and uh, so we are looking forward maybe we can meet somebody uh, one day that actually has seen this presentation and said i got inspired by you guys so we want to join you that would be nice that sounds fantastic. So where where's your next voyage so that we can inspire them to sign up to your next one, your next expedition? We're actually going to go into the shipyard now in Denmark. Uh, first, uh, we're going to be alongside Skagen, then we're going to go down to Odense to the shipyard. And then after that, we are starting the first voyage, which will be then on May the 5th from uh, Svalbard, Longyearbyen Svalbard. And then we travel down uh, the archipelago and also in the Norwegian coast down to uh, uh, Bergen in Norway. And uh, then we'll stay in the, the Arctic where we do Norway, Svalbard and, and also Iceland. And then uh, towards the later part of the summer, we'll have a voyage from uh, Greenland, Lusak, uh, up the coast of Greenland, across the Canada, over the Northwest Passage, and finish in uh, Nome, Alaska. The hardest thing when you come home is actually to play to people what you do for a living. Because it sounds like you're just playing and uh, living the dream. <laughs> yes, uh, Lindblad uh, Expedition is an amazing organization to work for, actually, as a, as a crew point of view. Uh, uh, it is, it is, uh, uh, it's the family. Uh, I have worked in uh, luxury uh, uh, brands, uh, companies, uh, but the environment here uh, within the crew, uh, within uh, within your bosses, it's it's just uh, unheard of in, in other companies. Also, the office is uh, support so much to the crew members, like Patrick said, that uh, they encourage uh, your family to come on board. And uh, and then if if the ship goes to your uh, your uh, country, uh, you, you can arrange uh, a visit uh, without any issues. Uh, of course, right now it's COVID, but otherwise there are never issues. You have unlimited internet, uh, you have calling facilities. It is just an amazing uh, uh, brand to work for. And uh, even this is the most expensive ship per bed in the whole world. So uh, even with such a, a high-end uh, high uh, uh, brand to work for, facilities for the crew is really uh, something some to, to look forward to every time to come back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Many thanks to my special guests, Captain Oliver, Hotel Director Patrick and Navigation Officer Vivek from the crew of the National Geographic Endurance. And that concludes our podcast for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Till next time. Take care. 
If you would like to learn more about the National Geographic Endurance Vessel or book on one of their amazing adventures, go to worldexpeditions.com forward slash endurance. If you would like to join My Ocean Live, our fast growing online network for seafarers, simply go to myoceanlife.com. The full interview with the crew of the National Geographic Endurance is available as a video chat and the full transcript can be read at myoceanlife.com forward slash national hyphen geographic hyphen endurance hyphen video hyphen chat. Music credits, Ben Sound Adventure. <laughs>